gotta suck on and... the ice. Ooh. You ever see those old DiSarono commercials? Like, no, do they suck on the ice? They're like, I'll have a DiSarono on the rocks. And I give them the DiSarono. And they drink it, they chug it, and then they just pop the ice cube in. There's some lady. DiSarono. <laughs> give me a break. Holy shit. <laughs> what did you expect, dude? To quote Dewey, I expect nothing, yet I'm still let down. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> I can relate. Yeah. Oh. Babylon helps me pick out incense. It makes my life so much easier because oh, there were yeah. so many at the store. I got a more and opium. Ooh, those opium I know is a great one. I bought like an uh, industrial no size of frankincense, myrrh, and sandalwood. I saw your fucking bag of frankincense, dude. Holy shit, that'll last you for years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I'm going to be abramalizing every day, you know? Yeah, dude, every day. Every, multiple times a day. I usually do it two times a day, maybe three. Yeah. I also do some minor reapplications. So I, I, I do the whole body at least once, but then sometimes I just do spots. Mm -hmm. I like I like to put it in, like, my facial hair. <laughs> I weird. put it in my hair once. It felt it was nice, yeah, dude. It yeah, was it nice. Really nice. Because you can put on anything. <laughs> yeah, I put it on my dick. It felt great. Me too. <laughs> Everywhere, it, anywhere. I, put it in my butt. I can only imagine. I bet it was great. Mm -hmm. I bet it was great. Oh my god. It it's so good, right? It makes you feel things you don't usually feel, right? Dude, when we used it as lube. We yeah, tell me about like... that. Tell. Because I had a little bit on there before, and it was already like, uh -huh. oh my. God, it was like even more <laughs> overwhelming than it is usually, and then like we she she put more yeah I put more on when we were taking uh -huh. a break and then she came back and it was like oh my god it was like divine it was like <laughs> melted butter it was, yeah, yeah. yeah it was just like if we were both like oh my gosh and she's just like. Wow, and I was like feeling shitty before this, but I'm like ecstatic. <laughs> Do you know that's what I mean? how it that's how it goes? Yeah, lost the like, most powerful force on the planet. I was like, Babs is here, isn't she? <laughs> it's yes. undeniable. Undeniable. She makes herself no remember. The Scarlet Woman will make herself known. That's what Robert <laughs> <Green> said. <laughs> so she did. So she did. That's how it goes. Yep. Oh hell yeah! What a freak. <laughs> Fucking huge slut. We we love our Babs. How couldn't you? How how couldn't you? <clears throat> I'm gonna get my negotiating dagger because I talk better when I'm holding it. <laughs> <laughs> so good, dude. So good. That fucking black arts oil, dude. That really had an effect. Dude, that stuff is great. Yo, what did it, when I cut your throat open with it, how did that feel? It was was like it a, sharp? Yeah, it was sharp, and like the black ooze was like seeping out. <laughs> yeah. All right, welcome everybody to the Aeon Squad podcast. We have a really special episode here today because one of our hosts, Nephilim, is 
releasing a book, or I guess it will be out probably already by the time this episode comes out. So you can go. I think so. Yeah. 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 So you can go get it now. Uh huh. Um, so we're just gonna take this episode and just have like a little mini, little mini interview and talk about the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first thing I want to say is the book. It will be available. Um, pay if you want. If you want to get the PDF, you can just get it. If you want to support me, then pay me money. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I... But yeah, so I just, you know, there's so many truths in nature, you know, elements of the nature of the human experience that uh, just, you know, go underlooked, forgotten. You know, these things, elements of ourselves, our personalities, our minds are suppressed or forgotten or otherwise lost to us, right? Because of the, the perturbations of society and existence, right? <laughs> yeah and a lot like you know a lot of the stuff that you're talking about has basis in very ancient ancient societies very ancient technologies but a lot of it is people don't take it seriously you know people just look at it and they're just like what is this bullshit yeah well i spent the first like 10 pages talking about how i went from being completely disaffected and disillusioned and believing in nothing to believing in something that's the big thing. You know, that's that's the, you know, acquiring your first morsel of faith or belief, something in, in the mysteries at large. That's that's a very, you know, that is when your your career as an occultist or as a major in mystics or what have you, that's when it starts. When you have that moment where you said, you know what, maybe there truly is something greater. Maybe I do have a reason to think that there's something, you know, that I'm not seeing. And, um, you know, it's the, thing, it's the type of thing that, you know, it can't be proven to you. Only you can prove it to yourself. And the only way to prove it to yourself is to try. And, like, you don't need to knock yourself. You don't need to join a temple. Like, meditate for 10 minutes a day for a week, and you'll see instantly what I'm talking about. It's all the same ballgame. And it's just, you know, and once you get good at meditation, you'll find that there are many other skills to get good at. And you'll become more and more complete and self-actualized as you go along. You know, if you've ever seen or met any, like, attained Buddhist monk, you can tell that they are just flying high all the time, right? Don't you want that? Don't you want to be enlightened? Pan. B. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, what what is what are some of the main things you want people to get out of uh, get out of your book? Hmm. One of the, one of the reasons I wrote this is because I like I had been I was in a a, fer- a fervor of magical work. I was you know doing a lot of study and like re- you know in, coming to new topics that I didn't really understand and you know reading a lot of old literature and like most of the magical writings in the world suck. most occult literature is bullshit because either the person writing it didn't know anything or they ciphered and obscured all the meaning so that they only mean something to about 0.0001% of people right it's like alchemy you know they talk about the the metals right but and you know there there is stuff you can do with elemental metals but like the actual process of you know enlightenment the art it's like (laughs) newton drank mercury he thought that was the he thought that was gonna do it he was so smart he figured out gravity and he's an alchemist and he fucking drank mercury dude that's what i'm saying like that <laughs> that's why kids need books you gotta give them good books and you can't like they've they they try to make everything to a riddle like all the there's so many old holy men that i've met or watched videos of or read they turn everything to a guessing game you know it's like it's like attained master what is the nature of reality they'll be saying something like 
the nature of reality is whatever you mean it to be. Or some shit like that. And it's like, sure, that's true. But like, like, no, give him a fucking... Ask me, what is the nature of reality? What's the nature of reality? Reality is the art of perfecting the totality of existence. Reality is the result of and conclusion of and fulfillment of the mind of God. It is the reason and cause for everything. <laughs> that's a better answer than some 90-year-old Buddhist shit, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Right to the point. <laughs> it's descriptive. I would say so. You know, the thing is, like, you know, they would expect you to, like, you know, if you went through the typical training, you'd spend years before you realize things like that. Years, 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 because they gatekeep everything. They, you know, they, I feel like they kind of lowest common denominator. I almost feel like they underestimate everybody. They take them through everything so slowly. And that's where you, that's where people drop off. People get bored with the process. You know, if you think that you have to meditate for an hour every day or, like, light your incense or do your walking meditations or hit your your bell or you know there's so many things that people people create these artificial barriers to entry that make magic seem unapproachable arcane or fake that's the thing mm. and like a lot of occultists don't do a good job of representing themselves or the art and science that's fair so how would you how would you lower some of these barriers to entry like how, how would you approach that first make it free second um Explain it without requiring a single leap of faith from the viewer, the reader. That's the thing. I do not expect you to believe anything. But if you read what I wrote, you will see that I, what I'm saying is true. Because I describe everything in terms of science. I apply the scientific method to everything. So people say, you know, I've had lots of people say, you know, magic is not scientific. Magic is pseudoscience. Or magic is, um, you know, immeasurable. Is outside the realm of science. It's something else. It's something that we don't have the tools to develop or study or understand. It's, it's in the realm of mysticism or magic or religion, and it's not on the purview of science. To which I say, that is reductive and restrictive and excluding. Magic is the science. The science. Science is approximating magic. Religion <laughs> is approaching magic. Magic is the real deal. All right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so as far as lowering barriers to entry, it's like, you know, I... I I don't say, like, oh, you have to believe... Here's here's a direct quote, more or less. I say, you don't have to believe in Yahweh. You have to believe that if you vibrate his name, something will happen. Right? That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I am so... It's called heretic and psychonaut. I'm a heretic. I know more than every religion. So I'm a fucking heretic. I stole their secrets. I infiltrated it. I studied their old ways. I decoded their riddles. I learned from them. I stole their fire and their information. I ate the apple of truth and knowledge and good of evil. And uh, I suffered greatly. And through it all, I extracted truths that many people don't want me to have. And they definitely don't want to have millions of people knowing it. This is the shit that will break open reality. If, if enough people start practicing magic, like everything will change everything it sounds bizarre or like fake or made up what do you mean everything's gonna change? everything's gonna fucking change when you don't have to do mundane shit to make your life work like you know i could go into a whole thing about true will and capitalism and all that shit but i won't <laughs> but in any case <laughs> magic is enabling and like it's not even about casting spells and shit which you can do but you know the main point of it is self-transformation it's about finding your true will it's about discovering your purpose your calling you know the things that make you want to live the things that make you want to act. That is magic. Charlie said, magic is to be and to do. That's what mm -hmm. he says. Ancient Egypt, they said, magic 
is anything you can do does not require physical manipulation. Hmm. And so the first magic is the word of God. The word, a sound. That is the first act of magic. And it creates. Isn't that insane? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, even like, you know, ordering a meal is like a form of magic, right? Hmm. Someone says, what do you want? You show up and you say the magic words and you get what you want. You get exactly what you specified. And then you pay. There's always payment. Just with spells, you pay with, you know, power instead of cash. Mana. That's the currency. Mana. Yes, mana is real. It's mana. It is exactly yeah. what you think it is. The blue bar in the video games, you have the red bar, you have the blue bar. It's the blue bar. Mana. Well, and that's so why the they book. say that gold, it, you know, gold corresponds to Tipperith, right? It's mm -hmm. the soul juice. It's the mana. It's you can expend it and create, right? Well, so that's a really interesting thing, which is like, you know, like, I remember when I first started getting into magic, I would like, if I did a really hard working, I would tire myself out mm -hmm. bad, right? So talk, talk about barriers to entry, right? Right. And so the idea was like, I, I didn't know how to gather my power. I was just expending my natural daily resting power that came from like eating or walking around or whatever, endorphins, neurotransmitters. But like, I wasn't learning how to draw power because there, you know, there's specific techniques where you, you know, there are limitless sources of power in the universe. You invite them, you take them, you form them, and you take them into yourself. Accumulate mana, capacitance, potentiation, ability, change, will, magic. And uh, it's all in there. I tell you exactly how to do it. I tell you like three or four different ways to make mana. I tell you how to make white mana, red mana, blue mana. What more could you want, man? <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've been doing the middle pillar you have in there. It's so good. Like, it gets me okay, like, so here's. Up. So, so Liam, a how old is the middle pillar? Like six thousand years old, something like that. I, more? I don't know. I don't. It. I don't know where it got. Because a lot of stuff, it's like, you know, is Rosicrucian? Is it older? Is it because it's like we know him through the Golden Dawn and the OTO and like and from Crowley and stuff like that. But right, but but it is Kabbalistic. Way. Yeah. Yeah. So we can agree that it's in the four four digit number range, right? Magnitude of of more or less. So. Would you say that my middle pillar is better than all the other middle pillars you've read from all the old Kabbalists and alchemists? It is has been easier to implement and more powerful from my observations. Yes, yes, that's what I want to fucking hear. I never actually... Not only is it stronger, it's easier. <laughs> that's the thing. Magic doesn't have to be that hard. You can work as hard as you want, but you shouldn't make it too hard for yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to remember we talked about flow in college. That book it was so good. The art of optimal experience, right? And you you just raise your challenge just as much as you can handle. You never push, never push. Just always going a little bit better, a little more, a little more effort. And you know you have to ease yourself into things. That's how it goes. I say a few times in the book, low and slow, low and slow. Low and because, slow. Uh, you know, as what I I I I, uh, I always approve of and condone experimentation, and you know sometimes being cavalier, even reckless. But you know, there's some things you should be careful with. Is what, <laughs> is what I'll say. I burnt myself a couple times. Oh yeah, you burnt the you one, go with the burnt fingertips, right? Touch the stove. I just always touch the stove. Someday I'll be out of fingerprints, right? Just... Oh, when I was a little kid. I stuck a little rolled up wet piece of toilet paper into the socket. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know not to do that again, right? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's a lesson you learn once. Right? Mm -hmm. I always like those little prank, like, shocky pens and stuff like that. 
Sorry. Oh my god, <laughs> you little little bastard. Okay, so here's here's a question for you. Um, what would you consider your barriers to entry when you got into magic? What 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 held you down? What made you doubt yourself? What limited your practice? I mean, there's so much, right? There's a matter of where do I start? Where do I go from there? People are saying that the stuff takes years. What am I ready for? What am I not? There's also, like, teaching yourself the skills to do, to do, like, rich ceremonial magic and ritual and mm-hmm. buying all the stuff and setting aside an area. And there's there's a lot of stuff, you know? It takes a while to really get settled for a lot of people, myself included. Yeah, yeah, um... That's something that that happens with musicians too, which is you get all about the gear, which is <laughs> it's it's which is it's a it's a relationship to be managed. Um, like I've heard people say, like you know, a great musician doesn't need a nice guitar; they don't need an expensive amp. But like you know, I had a really bad audio interface that introduced hum and hiss that I was using for like a year. Then I bought, you know, I splurged on a $160 audio interface, and it's perfect, and it sounds like butter, and I can record it double studio quality. And, you know, I had to spend money. And it's just, <laughs> and it was it was, it was was limiting the bandwidth, the quality of my work, the dynamic, everything. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that, but, you know, it's like that magic. You, you can't, like, you can't let the tool, you can't put the cart before the horse. Um, you know, the tools help you, but you don't serve the tools. You don't work for the tools. You don't let the tools... Um, overwhelm you and you don't feel beholden to the tools because they are all for you they're all extensions of your will they're your employees right so if you get the impulse to be stressed out by the idea of like moving around an altar and making space in your room then just don't do it make an altar take a piece of paper you take an eight and a half by eleven put a pentagram on it and say this is my fucking altar so mo to be and it is it's all you need if you want if you want to just make do magic with little Note cards and sharpies and dice. You can do anything you fucking want. Get a couple candles, walk in with intent and belief, and you can do anything you want. Seriously. You can do anything with anything. <laughs> Damn. It's true. I assert that. <laughs> you can take that to the bank. Alright, what else we got? Let's see. Let's see. So... One thing, one thing that uh, we talked about earlier is that you want occultism to be more a respected branch of like academia or science. Yes. So here's the thing. Since uh, you know ideas <coughs> that are directly related to the occult, you know they get quashed in science quite easily. You know most scientists don't even think to do such things. Um, but you know what turned me on to this was when I started reading literature, like white papers and studies and what have you, with in regard to cognitive behavioral therapy. So that was when, like, you know, Western science finally caught to the current. They're like, hey, wait a second. Meditation does good things to you? Your mind and your body? How have we not known this? And the Buddhists are like, well, we've been telling you for fucking thousands of years. Did you have shit in your ears? <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, no, they finally got their asses. <laughs> and they had all these all these neuroscientists and, and monks and stuff, like, working together. They're, they're trying to crack the secrets. They realize that, you know, it's it has to... Reality can be only understood holistically. You need the spiritual as much as you need the material. And it's all science. You know, your mood is determined by your neurotransmitters, you know, the quality of the flesh of your brain. You know, if you have holes in your brain, that'll make you feel bad or more depressed or something. You know, if you have bad gut microbe, flora and fauna and stuff, that'll make your mood worse. If you have a bad day or something, or if you don't sleep enough, it'll make your mood worse. But, you know, Having someone cast a hex on you will make your mood work. Um, pissing off a demon 
who takes vengeance against you will make your mood worse. You know, um, accidentally contacting a dead person that you didn't want to will make your mood worse. What I'm saying is that, you know, it comes, it comes from downstream and upstream. Material problems become spiritual, and spiritual problems become material. It's all the same. It's all related, because they're four planes of reality. They're on top of each other, and trying to say that they're separate is just a lie. Yeah, as as above, so below. That's what they say. Hmm. Yep, as within, so without. Yep. So there's like a lot of there's a lot of poten unexplored potential, especially for new kinds of developments, new stuff that people haven't even thought about. Dude, that's the thing. Like, there is so much we can try. Because, you know, so what they've been doing is they, you know, the, the main, we need to have measurability, right, for these phenomena. Uh, we need to have a tool for recording and noting these events that we call magical. And so the most common ones that I'm aware of are there's fMRIs, CAT scans, and um, brainwave measurement tools, right? And so, you know, when you're meditating, just your standard attention meditations, alpha waves get produced, right? That's the thing. And then what was the one for dreaming? Is that theta? Theta, yeah, it's for lucid. Well, for, like, the, uh, REM sleep. Right, right. So when, when you uh, meditate your third eye, it produces theta waves. Pretty sure. Um, that's the idea. There's the psycho-spiritual somatic interface. One of my nice little vocab words from my book. The idea is that there are physical anchor points and operates up and down along the interface of proprioception. The idea that the body has a map of everything in the... Of, in, the mind has a map of the entire body, and the body is an entire map of the mind. Whoa! <laughs> you, have, you have an entire... <laughs> That's the thing. It's all related. You know, you ever, if you ever look at like a palmistry diagram or like mm -hmm. the Chinese foot diagram, everything is... There's all, there's all these weird correspondences. And so, like, you know, the chakra is the most obvious ones. The third eye causes visionary experiences. The throat helps you, the heart helps you feel, etc. Right, and those all have the way that that works is that you focus on that spot, and it creates heat and increased oxygenation, which causes differences in neurotransmitter behavior, reuptake patterns, and uh, electrical activity. Everything, everything that there's so many things that can affect the quality of your mind and perception and mood that are altered by doing chakra meditation, and like all we if you say prove it here's what i'll say you have people learn to do chakra meditation you can take these noobs off the street give them a week 10 minutes a day meditate in your third eye put them into an fmri make them do the third eye meditation measure it have them do another fmri when they're not measured have a test group have a control etc placebo double blinds whatever you need to do and then you measure the differences in brainwave activity oxygenation of the different regions of the brain reported phenomena and the experience of the user the practitioner and then you have, you have the whole thing. You have the internal experience of the practitioner. You have the measurements of the physical and physiological correlates, the material correlates and substratum of the, sorry, substrates of the magical activity. And you have, it's, it's all there. It's all there. You're measuring everything. You have the chemicals, you have the electricity, you have the spiritual aspects, you have the mystical and scientific philosophy. You just have to put them all together. What I just described, if you did that, you would prove the validity of third eye meditation. Go take my idea, go make a lab report, fucking do it. If you do that, you will prove the chakras exist or that the pineal gland, when focused upon, causes meaningful and huge effects, uh, activities of your experience and perception and uh, apprehension of reality. So either way, I'm right, but I'm actually <laughs> double right because of the pineal gland and the, yeah.
So what do you think, man? That's pretty fucking bulletproof, right? Can you argue with that? I, I don't have any arguments against that. I, yeah, like, man. <laughs> and it's it seems so obvious that if somebody who knew how to do that kind of meditation, their brain was tested, they would it would show. It would be lit up in exactly the way that you're describing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, but then it's like nobody uh, can deny it, right? Because it's right there. That's the thing. So here, here was the – this is the paper. I told you about this. This is what fucking blew the lid off for me. Tumo, a practice of Tibetan monks. This is the thing where I remember see, I saw videos of the shit when I was a kid. They had infrared cameras. They had the monk. They had a length of rope. The monk projected heat onto the rope, which you could see on the IR camera, and then would start fucking smoking. It would catch. He put his hands on the rope. That is pyromancy. That is particle acceleration. That is entropic. As they <laughs> he say, did that with do his hands. Yeah. And so. So these um this paper I read they were they were tuma practitioners that were in Tibet or something they would hang out in like the snowy mountains so what they would do is these I think it was an all women order the particular one that they studied they would um take these wet bed sheets completely soaked wrap it around themselves go outside in the snow and then perform tumo heating up their bodies so much that all all of the water all of the water steams out completely dry in the fucking like negative whatever degrees temperature dude. Fucking Tibetan Buddhists doing Tumo, they've been doing this for thousands of years. No one's taking them seriously. But guess what? There's a white paper about it where they fucking prove it and analyze it and explain it. And, and they explain it in a way that is conscientious to both uh, Western typical conceptions of science and the people that believe in and understand the mystical tech. Hmm. So that's the thing. You just have to have scientists, you know, people that are established, you know, neuroscientists or what have you, that you know, they gain an understanding of the occult. They realize that there are things that are not beyond our reach of understanding, just that haven't been nailed down yet, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really fascinating thing because that could really change our understanding of reality very drastically. I mean, if if you hear that people can perform pyromancy and you don't get excited, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Like, if, go on YouTube, watch the fucking videos. Do you think they're faking that IR camera? Prove it, man. You think they're faking the fire? You think some 80-year-old monk would just show up to America to a bunch of scientists to show off this mystical technique for fun? You think that little of the spiritually attained? You think these are parlor tricks? No. They're sharing the mystical truths with all of us. Unbelievable, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. 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 Yeah, the Tibetans, man, they get no respect. They got all this shit figured out long before mm -hmm. I did. <laughs> I remember everyone, everyone's like, oh, you know, Buddhism is not a religion, it's a philosophy. And then the Tibetans are like, no, it's actually really magic. <laughs> the whole the whole Zen, the whole non-mystical non Buddhism, that's just to get you in the door. <laughs> that's, that's how they get you, though. That's how Zen gets people. They do, they do completely scientifically. I borrowed a lot from Zen. They're like, this is how you do the breathing patterns. These are the phenomena, and these are the qualities of psychology that they cultivate. Perform the work. You said, oh, this is indeed having an effect on my personality and my mind. And then before you know it, you've had a mystical experience, and you realize that religion is true. <laughs> and uh, you, <laughs> you just can't unknow that. Yep. You know, you can go, it doesn't, and you just stop being an atheist. Like, I can't even, it, it sounds, I don't it sounds flippant, or it sounds like I'm making a generalization, but like, if you spend a few months doing Zen or anything, you're going to have the experience. You're going to have the the faith-giving, 
the belief endowing experience. And all it takes is effort, practice, and an open mind. A bit of guidance, a bit of study, and, you know, just putting some gumption into it. If you don't think it'll work, it won't work. If you think it'll work, it'll work. Henry Ford said that, right? Either you think you can or you think you can't. Either way, you're right. He got it, man. <laughs> That's it. That's the truth. So, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about the, that how that experience was for you the first time you really opened the door. That's in the book. You read that, too. The knee thing. Right, right. So I was in a very deep state of meditation. You know, I was, my body was very not bodily. I wasn't, you know, I was kind of, kind of withdrawn from my senses, right? That's how it goes. When you get deep enough, your senses kind of become pretty soft and even gone. And then I had an experience that I had never had before or since. It was electricity. It was as if being electrocuted from inside. Uh, I've only been shocked once. It was when I was plugging in a plug and I put my finger on the prong and I was like, whoa. So it was it was kind of like that, but it was it was brighter and sharper and more crackly and faster frequency and felt like holy lightning, going lighting up my nervous system, going all the way from the bottom of my spine, all my nerves, vertebrae, everything, all the ways, all the neurons, the whole whole nervous system, everything electricity all the way up until I was consumed. It was like being electrocuted. It didn't hurt, but it was like being an electrical conduit. It was as if I just had a fucking giant battery attached to me. And then it all stopped. All the feeling, all my senses, my vision, everything, black, less than black, no thingness, not nothing, no thing, neither nothing nor something, the absence of the concept of somethingness or nothingness, right? And I saw this symbol. This crazy fucking glowing ass magical symbol is bright yellow right in front of my entire field of vision. Everything, everything else is black, every direction. No body, no Nephilim, no person, just the blackness and the symbol. And it was a Tibetan symbol, Tibetan Buddhist symbol, Sanskrit, I believe, um, from a, a mantra called Om Mani Padme Hum. So each of those syllables has correspondences. There's six. And so there's the idea of the samsaric realm, which have the, uh, you know, the races or the, the beings, the species mm -hmm. on those realms, the intelligences, they have different, like, qualities of divinity or spiritual magnitude or whatever, right? So, like, on the lower end, you have, like, the hungry ghost or, like, even the inanimate. And on the high end, you have, like, the devas, right? They're, like, super enlightened mega deity celestial beings. But, but the devas, in all their divine power and glory, they cannot become enlightened, only a human can do that. So, when you, they reach this fucking level 6 Omani Padme Hum ultimate celestial attainment mode, they say, I shall create a human. I shall find a human life. And this is the life that I shall live that will lead me to enlightenment. Whoa. That's crazy, right? Isn't well, that wild? And then, well, that is so much crazier now knowing <laughs> what we know. Yeah, the HGA, right? That's yeah. the, isn't that the Deva? It's got to mm -hmm. be. Yeah. Jaguru Deva. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. So, the symbol that I saw, Ni, that was the third realm, the human realm. The realm of humans. And, um... I... I, I don't know I don't know exactly what that means, but I feel like it was an apprehension of humanity. Just the whole concept. The whole idea of being a human, of being alive. What it means to have a heart and soul and blood and a mind. Love, sadness, feelings, everything that makes a human human, that is contained in knee. Knee purifies. Knee purifies passion, lust, and ego. It 
cultivates patience. Ni is the realm from which the human can join the god, the god can be, join the human, they become as one, transcend either of themselves. That can be only done in Ni, the human realm, the, sem, the human realm of Samsara, the plane of Malkud, the, uh, the earth realm. Good stuff, right? <laughs> I, I spent like three or four hours looking at every symbol I could find. I typed in like magic symbol, occult symbol, eastern symbol, alchemy symbol, blah, 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 blah. And I saw it and I was like, dude, no. it's just, a cool symbol too. That's really cool. It just popped up and. That was it. That was the whole thing. And I had never, never seen that. No fucking way. I'd never seen like that at all. You think I have, you think I know what Sanskrit magical letters look like? I don't. <laughs> Oh my god, dude! Yeah, dude, that that shit was wild. And so after I came down from that, I was like, wow, like I guess, um, I guess the whole magical mystery world thing is real, huh? I guess I'm in this now. Once again, you cannot unknow it. <laughs> yep. Once the door is open, it can't be closed again. Nope. It's a paper door, man. Paper <laughs> door. But yeah, so you've been you've been in, in this for a, a while now. The whole, the occult scene, being yeah. a wizard. Um, I feel like if I hadn't learned magic, I would have peaked in college. I feel like, um, it was the only way for me to progress. Mm -hmm. I feel like, cause I've like intellectually, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, I couldn't do anything more than I did. Without magic, without spirituality, does that make sense? Oh, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I realized it was intrinsic to my personality, but like you said, you know, barrier to entry, putting aside time, the effort, all this shit, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. You know, I had a lot of times that, you know, my, my faith went away, or things were difficult, or I couldn't practice, or I got taken away from it, and, um, you know, those times that I turned away from the mysteries were the times that I, did, I felt less whole, mm -hmm. more uns more unsatisfied, more depressed, more unmotivated, more less loving myself, less believing in myself, right? The thing is, though, I always came back to it. I always, always, always came back. Even if it was just for a little while, even if it had been months or years, I would always come back. Because I always remembered, I always believed in my heart of hearts that there was something important waiting for me, that I had potential that I had yet to reach. That if I, you know... If I stopped now, I'd be really selling myself short of what I could be. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it is work, but you know, it paid off. It finally fucking paid off. You know, I, I thought like, you know, I didn't know how it would happen. I was like, eventually, eventually I'll have things figured out, right? Eventually I'll know enough about magic to see the big picture. And I did. I am raw whore fucking queen. The other thing was, um, when I... When I first noticed the blackness, the cracks on this wand, I start. I was looking at it, I was kind of gazing into it as I do, and I heard this voice. It was creepy and dark and raspy and wispy, and it said three. I was like, "What's three, three, three? And you're like, "It's Karanza! <laughs> it's the abyss!" <laughs> Dripping. Oh, yeah, Karanza red. Oh, you jumped out of the shower. Had your Thomas or your fucking Ben Franklin, whatever, uh, Archimedes moment or whatever. Oh, yeah. So funny. So funny. throwing up, like, the orange apple. Oh, my God. Yeah, Karanza. The Karanza are on did we Did we talk about the apple yet? I think we did. I think we talked about okay. it during, the, during the one of the other episodes. Yeah, dude. Holy shit, dude. The apple. That fucked me up, man. Karanza yeah. <laughs> after I After I threw up the apple, 
Peranza, oh, sorry, uh, Rahor Queet sent to my ear. He said, the apple, how did it taste? Was it as sweet as you thought? <laughs> I'm like, no, fuck you. That's what I said. That's Fucking so asshole. <laughs> That's so funny. Because the apple itself was delicious. It was so sweet, so good. Yeah, so Karanzon, man, he's weird. Um, so yeah, Karanzon carries you across the abyss, and apparently Babylon's the other side, goddess of love. We haven't talked about Babylon. We'll have to have a whole thing. Oh, we're gonna have Babylon as yeah, a guest, have aren't we? Yeah, we're gonna have Babylon on the show soon. As soon yeah, as we yeah, can. yeah. Oh my god. We got a lot Babylon of fun is, stuff coming. Babylon is Bay. Babylon is the hottest chick in the world. Huge slut, and she's my girlfriend and my queen. So. Babs is awesome. The, you guys are gonna yeah. love her. She's literally the, you know, she's the. Horror of the apocalypse, you know, Beast and the Harlot is about her. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, well, we'll talk to Babs soon. Hmm. Um, Babalaba ding dong. Babalaba ding dong. So, do you have um? Let's see, do you. So, speaking of Babylon, there's a bunch of stuff going on right now with the Aeon. Is there anything uh, you want to fill people in on or catch them up with? Right, okay, yeah, so the Aeon, the Aeon, that's what I'm here, isn't God, right, so yeah, I'm Rahor Queet, so I'm the warlord of the Aeon, so I'm the commander of the army of Babylon, appointed directly by her. The only people to whom I answer in matters of military are my brother, Harpocrates, and my lover, Babylon. All others serve me, and uh, if they don't, then they're not part of the army, because that's how army works. And I hate to pull rank, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, you know, the Aeon is, is assembling. We've been gathering allies. That's what we've been doing. So, you know, for a long time, it was just us two guys, more or less. And then uh, we started gathering friends. The first friend I made beyond the veil was Mikael, the Archangel Michael. He was my guardian angel. He had been with me my whole life. God himself sent him to me to take care of me. There are situations in my life that maybe I wouldn't have even fucking lived through, but he was there the whole time. It's awesome. I love him so much. The blazing sword of God. He told me that he killed seven million demons. That's the number. <laughs> <laughs> and then Venus. Venus I, I was all sad and depressed because I, I thought a girl didn't like me. So I contacted Venus. I was like, Venus, I'm so sad. Help me, Venus. And she's like, oh my god, you poor little muffin. She did help me. <laughs> and she's awesome. She's great. Oh, and... <laughs> Her number, her grammatriatic number is 69, not even lying. Not even fucking lying. Um, and then we got Klonek on board, the demon of wealth, who we... That, that episode's coming, that's fun. Klonek, once again, gotta plug my homie Klonek, the ultimate merchant man. My patron and benefit, uh, my benefactor. I'm the patron, right? Treasurer. Um, yeah, he's the he's the grand treasurer of the, uh, the nation of Babylon, so that's good, you know? He's uh, He wants to make a good name for the demon. One of the other demons, one of the Goetic demons, he said, uh, you know, I want to live in a world where gods, men, angels, and demons can walk together. So that was so beautiful and wonderful. And these people that are, you know, they're demonized, right? But they have, they, they have their own will, they have their own dreams and aspirations. You know, some of them aren't exactly nice guys, but a lot of them are. A lot of them are really sensitive and thoughtful. Like, Belial is such a nice guy. Klonik is a nice guy. Like, Baal was a bit of a hard ass, but he, his heart's in the right place, too. <laughs> Oh my god, Baal, the, I let spirits ride me, but that was, do not let Baal ride you. He's a rough rider, holy <laughs> shit. I had to, I had to use a lot of Auburn Lean oil to fucking fix the hole he left in me. 
Christ. <laughs> they tell you not to fuck with voodoo. That's the voodoo. That's the you don't want that stuff, man. Just ask him next time. <laughs> <laughs> it was his idea, and I was trying to be deferential, you know, when you have a goetic lord try to put in you know, put out the welcome mat and leave out some drinks and some fucking yep. hors d'oeuvres, right? This unbelievable man. <laughs> unbelievable. I give these these immaterial entities have been spending thousands of years with not a single flesh to take them in. I give them this nice home, and then they... I've had a number of entities make fun of me to my face, out of my mouth, while they're riding. <laughs> Rahor Ra Ra Queet does it. Missoula does it. Oh, Missoula, Dark Lord of the Tarot. He's in the book. Um, <laughs> you've seen it happen. They all make fun of me mercilessly while they're fucking riding me. Unbelievable. Yep. <laughs> like, I... I, I could kick them out at any time, but I don't, because I'm a, I'm a good host. <laughs> mm. Swear to God, man. Well, there it gods is. And, gods and mortals alike, man. No one has any respect. No, no respect. And that's what all, <laughs> that's all the demons are asking us for, too. They just want Yeah, they want respect. respect. Yeah, dude. Because, like, those demons we were talking to, they're insanely powerful. They have abilities and knowledge that are far beyond my reckoning. <laughs> And they each have like however many like thirty legions or something. Demons but, yeah, and so <laughs> I, I asked. I'm not sure if I asked Belly or Ball. I think I asked Ball. I said, "How much is a legion?" I was like, "I read that it was around five thousand or something." He was like, "Like, do you need to know any more than that?" <laughs> He's like, "Is a number really gonna help you?" <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah, they all have all these legions. Even like the minor ones that don't that seem that are pretty nice and like benign and do sweet things like help with science or friendship. Yeah, they're all like they all have legions. Reconcile <laughs> conflicts between friends and enemies. Has thirty <laughs> legions of winged demons. <laughs> oh, dude, remember? Yeah, they all have crazy appearances too. Like a uh, ball is the face of a man, a frog, and a cat. The chimera. It's so Whoa. bizarre. All their sigils are super cool, too. Who made those? I guess they must have revealed them to... Yeah, but those are sexy. They're so like cool. Solomonic magic, right? Did Solomon do all the early Guisha work? He was definitely involved in some of it. Yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about allies. You were saying, t t asking me about the Aeon, right? Yep. So, yeah, we've... We have the entire Guisha working for They answer directly to me. All 72 of them. So we have that. We have Team Yodhead Vodhead, Team Yahweh, Team Team Abrahamic, Kavala, Team... I call them the Yodhead Vod Squad. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's good. like, we got... We have Arca we have Mikael, of course, my man, and his brothers, Gabriel, Raphael, and Uriel. <laughs> They're the other elemental archangels. Uh, we have Yodhead Vodhead, super nice guy. Very love him. Love him to death. Then we have Yehesha, Jesus, our man. The nicest yeah. fucking guy in the world. But, you know, they there was one or two times... so dirty. Jesus, Yeheshua? dude. Holy yeah, shit, dude. Yeah, churches can... and shit. I swear to God, man. I swear to God, yeah. The one thing that surprised me about Jesus is, like, you know, he's always super nice, but there was one time when, like, an entity... Sorry, we're showing us again. You cut out. There was... Sorry. There was one time, you know, Jesus is always super nice and chill, but there's one time I had an entity that was, you know, trying to start shit with me. And Jesus, I was with Jesus at the time, and he stepped up and, like, was like, you're not fucking gonna cause a problem, are you? <laughs> so he was, and it reminded me of, you know, the Passion of the Christ, the part where he flips the table. He said, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, dude, the passion. That's that's so badass. Like the flesh is no, the mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. <laughs> right? Live by the sword, die by the sword. It's a threat. <laughs> yeah, man. So Jesus is such a guy, so underrated. Um, who else we got in the squad? So we have Team Ragna Rock. I I said I said, do you think that it, they should be called Team Valhalla or Team Ragnarok? I said ask Thor, right? So he said Team Ragna Rock. <laughs> Something Thor okay. Is, Thor is awesome. So yeah, Thor, Thor is your personal bodyguard. Mm -hmm. Um, he hangs with you. Super cool guy. Tell me about Thor. He's so I love him. Yeah, he's super nice. He had to test if I was worthy before he would be my bodyguard. Oh, he made you carry. He he put Molly in your hand, right? Yeah. The, were you able crazy. to carry it? Yeah, apparently. Yeah, nice. Was it like heavy? What did it feel like? <laughs> it felt like, ooh, it, it felt really nice actually. It wasn't. It wasn't like too heavy. Like it wasn't like a. Well, because you're pure of spirit, you're a, you're a good-hearted boy. Aww. <laughs> do you think Do you think Thor would even would think to offer it to you if he didn't see the potential in you? I guess no. not. It's the same as with like Captain America. He's like, you're you're a good enough dude. Here it goes. You saw Infinity War, right? The part where they he when it, Captain America has the hammer. Holy shit, dude! That's some good stuff. But yeah, on the on that topic, um, Thor loves Marvel. Thor Loki hates Marvel. Loki. <laughs> Loki told me. By the way, Loki's my spy master. Um, he said that Tom Hiddleston is not nearly attractive enough to portray him. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so yeah, Loki is the head of the like the spying subterfuge intelligence uh, operations. Working directly under him, we have Rick's Anoster. So he's a very cool guy. Um, he approached me. He said he wants to throw with an Aeon. Um, so I looked him up, and in, in the Gamatria book, in Sephiroth, Sephiroth, he's described as the second night demon of the no, the night demon of the second decan of Capricorn. And apparently, there's a night demon and an angel associated to each of the 36 decans of the zodiac. I can't say that I fully understand it, but um, yeah, there are these demons, and he's really sneaky. He said that he's the master of stealth and dispersion, so I'm like, show me what you got. So, you know, he was appearing to me in like a humanoid form, and then he just went everywhere and nowhere. And you know, the feeling I have when there's an entity in my presence, I felt it everywhere. It was, it was and it wasn't him. It was as if there were different entities everywhere. That's the Whoa. feeling it caused me. And then he went back, he brought himself back together, it coalesced, and the feeling went away. I was like, holy shit, dude. He was like, yeah, man, I can do some stuff. <laughs> so Rick's an Oster, and he is the personal uh, bodyguard and hider of Babylon at this time. Because uh, some, some upstart occultists were trying to get their eyes on her. She came to me, she was all worried. I'm like, listen, baby, we're going to put Rick's on you. You're going to have no problem. There's been no problems because Rick's is smooth as fuck. Working alongside Rick's is Sulphur. A uh, smoky sand demon, sand snake looking thing. Sulfur was our first turncoat. Oh yeah. So th this was on the uh, the long night of the new moon, the dinner party. Yes. Yeah, and we were we had we just gone out on our first walkabout in six thousand years. <laughs> came back inside, decided to go out on the balcony for a little bit, and as we were walking back in the balcony, I felt this weird like thing in. It's usually, like, when there's, like, an unfriendly entity around, it feels like somebody has, like, punched me in the chest. You, like, it feels like I feel this weird... I, I know what you mean. It's not exactly that for me, but it's, like, it's almost, like, dread or, like... Something. It's, it's just, like, it's, it's, it's a so... very, like, it's almost sharp. 
You know? Okay, it's like, okay. It's like somebody's like poking me right there. And I'm huh. just like, something, I just felt a weird feeling, something's going on. And then we, we went in there and you and you saw him, right? Yeah, yeah. So I said, get in the, I grabbed my sword and I said, get in the fucking triangle. It did. <laughs> I lit my sword up, I put I put it right next to his head. And I said, brother, do you want me to kill him? Then give him the purple end. <laughs> I said, give him the purple end first. <laughs> but uh, I was ready. I was fucking ready. Because yeah. um, he snuck up and my... I, the old Valamic gods were sleeping, and I was with my brother and Babs. This fucking thing showed up uninvited. You fucking bet he's going to get in the trial. You fucking bet he's going to look at that sword and wonder if it's going to kill him. That's what happens if you sneak into my place. That said, we even, we, we treated him well. Yeah. So I said, so I said, identify yourself. He gave me some name. He gave me a number. We looked it up, Sulfur, the Prima Materia. And so I was like, what's what's your deal? He's like, I'm a, I'm collecting, I collect intelligence for Set. Or I'm a spy for him, or information gather. You get the idea. Um, so I'm like, okay, so what's what's Set giving you? Why are you working for him? He said he's giving me like lands, riches, wealth beyond imagination, all this stuff about. <laughs> and so I'm like, listen, you know, he's giving you a piece of the pie, right? He's like trying to, he's placating you by giving you a comfortable spot. But even if you're comfortable, you see the world around you. You see the empire is set, and you see that it's absolute shit. This is a world without love. It is a psycho spiritual military industrial prison complex that we call patriarchal capitalism, or more short and sweetly, set my cocksucker of an uncle. So I'm like, listen, think about the world that Set has now, and think about the world of Babylon, a world in which love is the only law, a world where capitalism is abolished. You don't need to have wealth. You don't need to have land because you have everything. The whole world is your home, and the, all the riches are yours as well. You want nothing. And when I said this to him, he was like, that does sound good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's that's a better deal than Seth's giving you, right? He's like, it is. I'm like, it's just good business, right? Like, it's it's clear. Like, just don't fuck me over. Join us, right? He's like, all right. And, you know, he was really appreciative that I gave him a chance. Because if, if, you know, if the roles were reversed and Seth caught him, he would have fucking killed him, right? He would not have given him a chance. He or wouldn't worse. even talk to him. He would just, or torture, yeah, right? Or worse, probably worse. He probably would have, you know, tried to squeeze him for information. But, you know, I gave him the open palm. I, I made it clear that I could kill him because he did sneak into my house. But then I showed him mercy. And that's what you do. Make it clear that you're not to be fucked with. You give them mercy, you give them love, and you show them the truth of Babylon. And when you, if, when you accurately describe the goddess of love to them, they're helpless before her power. You know, once someone sees Babylon for what she is, you are just helpless to resist because she is love. How can you resist that? <laughs> <laughs> the entire concept of love. So yeah, we. So yeah, it's, you know, I told Silver, and he, you know, he's been working for Loki and, and with Ricks, Ricks and Noster, and he's been doing a good job, he's been a great job. He's been keeping me appraised of things. He's been, you know, disrupting set shit, causing problems, stirring up things for them, and you know. He's been giving information to Loki, and, you know, he's pu he's pulling his weight. And he went from someone who's being oppressed by Set, who felt like he had no other options, to joining up in the service of Babylon, the Aeon. He realized that his talents are better used in the service of good than evil. That's all it takes. Sulfur's not a bad guy, he was just in a bad situation. His he, his hand was forced. Right? So that's mm -hmm. the thing. No, one, I really don't think that anyone is beyond help, except maybe Set. I think even we can reform. If anyone can reform him, it would be Babs, not me. But, uh, 
But you know, that's Babylon said. She said, the goodness among your enemies. See their honor. See that everyone is fighting for something. Right? Everyone mm -hmm. is fighting for something. Everyone has friends and families and convictions and dreams. And just because they're on the other side of the war doesn't mean that they're enemies. It just means that they're friends and allies we have not yet made. We have not yet shown the truth of Babylon. They just have not no they just do not know the truth. They do not know the truth that is love. And when they see it, when they see it, they will convert. So yeah, man. I was yeah. very proud of myself. That was because that was my first real military negotiation. And I had him by the fucking balls. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was like I was ready for you to have to kill him, right? Oh yeah. I, but it that was my <laughs> And you know, not all the negotiations have gone so well because some entities are less agreeable, but that's how it goes. Yeah. The thing is, Raw Horquit wanted to kill him. I said no. He's the, he's the, you think I'm a hothead? Holy. <laughs> oh my god, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. That's, well, the reason why I keep saying that is because it is Raw Horquit's favorite. When he gets pissed off and overwhelmed, Unbelievable! Unfucking believable! <laughs> Humans, gods, all of them, unbelievable! I can, I can, I can only agree with him, because you know, he is me after all. Um. So yeah, so yeah, once the allies—they're growing and growing. We have a, we have spies. We have, let's see, we have uh the, uh we have Mars, the the planetary god of war. He is assisting. He is the master. He is training my soldiers in the art of the spear. Here, the one-handed god of war. Training my, my soldiers in the art of the sword. We have Athena with a shield. We have all these, you know, excellent combatants, these distinguished military gods training our guys. They're training we got the best fucking military expertise war gods. They are training our guys. The strategy and the planning and stuff, that's all us. All they're doing is making them ship shape. I can guarantee that you spend a year studying the sword with Tear, you're gonna be a <laughs> fucking monster. Holy shit! I need to study with. Yeah, I need to fucking. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, so yeah, we got that. We got all the war people. We have we have like scientists and teachers and stuff. We have Iwas. It was appointed as the teacher of humanity. He's going to like lead ma matters of scholarship, science, magic, art. So he's going to help humanity acquire divine knowledge, lead them to the, in their studies. Um. What else we got? We got Karanzon and Belial alike that are going to help people cross the abyss. Um, <laughs> here's a funny story. So here's the nature of my relationship with Belial. You know, we were, we we wanted to get him working with us, so we we're like, we want to make a deal. So like, all right, what we ended up deciding was that um, whenever I kill a monster or a spirit or a deity or whatever, uh, he gets to have their soul. <laughs> but it's not to torture them; it's to rehabilitate them. He said, "I'm going to take these lost souls, show them the way, teach them, and then and then lead them to Babylon, right?" Which I think is a great idea. So, um, yeah, I'd rather have them Belial's care than in Super Hell, which, uh, <laughs> yes, I said Super Hell. There is hell, but Karanzan told me there is a Super Hell. <laughs> <laughs> super Hell. It's like Super Jail. It is. It's Super <laughs> Hell, dude. So. Yeah, man. So, like, once again, I'm not even giving them that, like, this motherfucker tried to kill me yesterday, and I, I you know, I could have given him a much worse deal, but I handed it over to Belial, right? I'm a nice guy. I give people chances. 
Oh, yes, yes. They did try to kill me. Abaddon, the angel, the angel set sent him to try to kill me. Literally kill me. But uh, I killed him instead. <laughs> so do you have a do you have a, if you had a message to give Set, what would it be? Set? I feel like Set burnt one of his trump cards really early. <laughs> like Abaddon is a bad motherfucker. If it had been anyone else, he would have gotten the kill. That's what I'll say. If I hadn't been the the warlord of the Aeon, I think that would have gone different. Mm. But um like how many more Abaddons does he have in the wings, right? How many more of them could there be? The like you know, said as well say the rings on the wall. Is you hear me describing my allies and the friendships I'm making? And my brother and my lover becoming adults and coming into ourselves and realizing the truth. And what we're realizing is just how weak you are. You are weakness itself. You are the result of giving up. So why don't you just give up and make it easy on yourself? There it is, folks. There it is. Also, Seth, suck my fucking cock, you <laughs> fucking piece of shit, soft dick, hunchbacked, fucking Osiris cutting up, sand in your asshole, fucking mean, stupid, stupid, stupid ass motherfucker and bitch. I swear to God, dude, Seth, <laughs> I don't, I do not have unbelievable, I do not have the words. <laughs> What do you think about that, brother? Tell me. You're I, the nice one. <laughs> I think you should just, you know, know when it's time. Know when it's time to step aside, right? Just know when you're beat, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, you know, like that deal that that you offered us, and then oh, we didn't talk about that. The deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we actually so have I was some on footage. The... We have footage of that. We do. We do. Um, but yeah, so I was talking to you on Discord, and then this creepy-ass fucking demon with, like, four faces floated into my room. I was like, excuse me? Who the fuck are you? And so they gave me a number, and it was... There were a number of names, but there was a name Sanhedrin, and there was the word negotiation. So it was a negotiating type, like an ambassador, you know, diplomat, representative, talker of things, bringing messages between politicians, leaders. You get the idea. And so she was like, uh... That has an offer for you, Horace. Did not address me. Address Rahorquee only. So first, that's your first mistake. <laughs> so he's like, oh yeah? What is it? Like, uh, Set will offer you a high position in the kingdom, and you will rule together. You will win the war, and you will be the lords of the Aeon. And so... I said that to you. We just started laughing our fucking asses <laughs> off. A high position? A <laughs> high position! So I said to her, so I said, this is what Phil said. I said to her, my dick and lick my ass, or something like that. I said, <laughs> or no. I said, yeah, eat my dick and suck my ass. Do not suck my dick and eat my ass. Eat my dick and suck my ass. That's what I said to Set. So she took that message to him, and then um, he got mad, and he personally contacted me telepathically. He tried to detect where I was. He tried to scry. And my ally Shiva burnt his eye out. His left eye is gone. Shiva has this power called the Eye of Shiva. It's like it's like the evil eye, the Hamsa, but like turned up to 11. <laughs> and so yeah, Set was trying to scry me. 
And then I could see him, and the smoke was coming out of his eye. And I saw the eye turn into, from flesh into ash. Shiva did that. And then he shoved some spikes and shit in there. Shiva's a seriously mean dude. You know what Shiva told me? He said, I want to destroy until everything is beautiful. But he said, isn't that amazing? That's awesome. That is a guy. That's, a, that's the guy. And so then, you know, Set was obviously pissed after that happened. And then, Dom, uh, I almost said Dominatrix. Negotiatrix came back and said something mean. I was like, fuck off, stop bothering me. And she came back and she said, you're going to die, boy. And that, you know. And then she got the red end. I just, I picked up my sword, I turned it on, I put the red end towards her, I started walking, didn't move, I didn't stop. He is in the care of Belial. <laughs> oh man, yeah, so that's what happens if you work for Set, man. I give him all a chance. I say either join up or get lost. And, uh, damn dude, right? So many, that's three chances, right? That's three, that's a lot. Three is, three a, is a good in number. In when someone, when your enemies messenger comes to you three times and talks shit to you every time that's a lot of times to not kill them <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing i feel like you know people think i'm this kid they're like oh here's this 29 year old kid he thinks he's the warlord of the aeon oh send to abaddon abaddon can get him abaddon's a big tough guy no i am the baddest motherfucker in history nothing can kill me i have seen my own victory i have seen the day that kneels and swears fealty to Babylon. It is written in history. The ink is already dry. All I have to do is get there. All I have to do is do what I'm doing. Well, there you go. Bitch ass bitch, dude. Set. Try fucking harder. <laughs> Listen is, to your advisors because they know better pathetic. than you. Just a little bit. It's, that's what I real when he made that offer. That's what I realized how like little of a threat he was but, like you know even though he you know he has his powers he has his people to work for him but like he is so small-minded like he actually thought that would work he fucking killed dad dude he killed osiris holy shit unbelievable oh my god yeah there's my long rambling message to set you go fuck yourself <laughs> well there it is while we're on the topic of trash talking people i have a point on the <laughs> On my note card that says, religion has ruined everything, especially magic. Oh, yeah, you asked me what time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So. Let's examine the, you know, the position of religions. So let's, I'll give you a hypothetical situation. So, role play. You are a archbishop of like massachusetts or whatever you are the main guy for the diocese you're the main you know guy for the the catholic church the local branch right all the cardinals and priests and what have you they answer to you not cardinals i guess but all the local people of the cloth you're the main guy you go to the churches you travel you speak people listen i come up to you i say father i am rahorquit the egyptian god of war the lord of the aeon the crown and conquering child and the husband and sworn knight of Babylon, the ultimate goddess of love. What would you think if I said that? They would either think you were delusional or a heretic, right? Okay, so yeah, let's let's skip the first one. Let's say that he doesn't think I'm delusional. Let's say he can tell. <laughs> he would think I'm a heretic, is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, so what does that mean to him? 
So typically in the Christian church, heresy uh-huh. is a crime punished either by excommunication or by death. Well, they don't have to excommunicate me. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go on. So they they consider it like an existential threat to their that that kind of like teachings. The t- her- her- heresy is like teachings that they consider a threat to their like religion and their beliefs and shit like that. Right? I didn't know that I didn't know that the threat was a part of it. I just I just thought that it was like, you know, against doctrine. They thought it was a threat. Well, they wouldn't prosecute and call it like her- people heretics and drive them out right. if it wasn't threatening to them, right? Like, that's right. That's just what I it's... Well, that's saying the quiet part loud, like, right? It... Yeah. Which, uh, you know, to answer your earlier question and the point you raised, uh, yeah, religion ruins everything because they oppose independent thought. I read about this in the book. Galileo was declared a heretic by the church in order to stop teaching science. Because he believed that the sun was the center of the gal- of the solar system. Which, uh, yeah, by the way, it's called the solar system. S-O-L, if you haven't heard of it. <laughs> so, yeah, that was deemed heretical, right? And so that means that the church finds information that they don't like, and they either kill or silence the people that say those things, right? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty illustrative of the, uh, the problem with religion, I would say. And we have this whole... We have this... Uh, all this artificial moralizing. Uh, they have there's when I was in Catholic school, four years. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, there were so many conversations about morals that would end with because God said so, because Jesus said so, because it's the word of God, because the church said so, because it's a commandment, because, because, because. And so this kid in my class who was gay, he was like, you know, why? What are gay people supposed to do? If it's a sin to, for gay people to have sex, what are you supposed to do? He's like, well, in, you know, in Catholic teaching, gay people are called to just not have sex. <laughs> but, but, what, what am I supposed to do with that, man? Like, what, I was 14, but I want to get up and fucking punch him in the face. Holy shit, and this kid was obviously gay and like really upset to hear this. <laughs> so messed up. Yeah, dude. And, like, you know, they got that, and then all the sex abuse. It's like, how many crimes do I have to list before I can convince people that it's a racket, that the Catholic Church and most churches are, um, fascists? Like, clen- like ethnic and religious cleansing fascists. Like, murderous fascists. People that kill people that say the wrong things. Right? What would you call that? Well, not fascists. Fascists is a petty bourgeois movement drummed up by the bourgeoisie in times of crisis when the class there's there's not able to be one class can't take power over the other so they get the petty bourgeois they give them money and guns to destroy the institutions of the proletariat and that can take any form of ideology that it, that's instrumental um so okay fascism doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about that's but, fine thank you for calling me out <laughs> it's okay my marxist is showing um, Good. No, I need I need you to teach me the politic. Oh, it's okay. Most people most people get that wrong. Like almost everyone I talk to <laughs> is like, yeah, fascists are people who have like a mythological view on race. It's like all of that is distraction, right? That is instrumental. Uh, they, they have a class role. They exist for a specific yeah. reason. But yeah, that didn't, didn't. So, I mean, there are like it is very like oppressive structure and specifically like the church the churches i mean um yeah specifically like 
it ha- they they force you to believe and act in a certain way in order to you know to receive receive the teachings or whatever it's like it's like it's like all the cult leaders they get like a peek behind the door right think they've got this special power and then just make everybody like bow down to them and get their fucking initials branded into them <laughs> or something like that Fucking Keith. Oh no! Oh my gosh! Who's Keith? Who's Keith, Keith? Raniere, the the Nexium cult leader who had the oh my god rounded up all the women and got his niche, initials oh. branded into them, and god. he was a real piece of shit. Well, he is a real piece of shit. He got like 120 years. He's in prison. Good. Can you imagine respecting women? What a concept! <laughs> what a thunk it! <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. I'll say it, Liam. I'll say it. Women are objectively better than men. I believe this. You know how I know this? Because Babylon's a woman. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, you know, there's the, it's thought control, moralizing, you know, shaping people's sensibilities, their patterns of thought. It's all super egoic, and it's, it's oppressive, right? It's, uh, it's, they're cultivating closedness to experience new when they when they you know you see this a lot when people receive information that contradicts what they believe they don't engage with it intellectually the first result is either sadness confusion or anger you've seen this people it's a defensive get, like they they react fight or flightily to information like you you've seen this before mm-hmm. i mean i mean it, it just and that's it happens with magic to me all the time. I, I you know I tell people they're like what, you're into occultism. I'm like yeah, they're like okay. So what does that mean? I, I explain things to them. I tell them these truths that they are just not ready or not wanting or not willing to hear. And part of them knows that what I'm saying is absolutely correct, but is so alien and so jarring that they get mad at me and tell me I'm crazy and gaslight. And uh, that's pretty tiring. So the thing is um. I don't explain myself to people anymore, and it's made me a lot happier. <laughs> they should have to explain themselves to me. I'm raw for a fucking queen. <laughs> I don't answer questions. Except for my interview questions. Well, yeah, but that's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the podcast. <laughs> that's a, that's a greed. I'll, I'll answer your questions. I'll answer your questions. So I just, so, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just, but, you know, it's, it's so disappointing because, you know, when I was growing up, I got driven. Sorry, back up a little bit. Um, you're breaking. Sorry. Up. So when you were growing up, yeah, when I was growing up, um, you know, I got turned away from the church and turned me away from Yahweh and from Jesus, the Lord and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and like, it took me years and years and years to come back to them. And when I did, I realized I had missed them so much, and that I always knew that they were the truth, but just that the church just made them look so bad. Mm-hmm. You know. But then when I actually started talking to them and getting to know them, I saw just the, the immense goodness. You know? So that's the thing. Religion. The Catholic Church kept me from knowing God and from knowing Jesus. I could not truly encounter them and let them into my heart until after I left the church. I don't... I... Yeah. There it I, is, I, man. I had, really, I had a really similar experience. <laughs> Right? Yeah, because I grew up Catholic too. And I just. It's like you do all these things, but they don't explain any of it. Yeah. You just do it because that's the way that we do it. 
Also, the communion is pagan ritual magic, so there's that. <laughs> you eat bread and it becomes flesh. You eat, you drink wine and it becomes blood. You call yourself civilized? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you, 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 you move incense, you wear cloth, you chant chants and hymns. You have people kneel and stand and walk in lines. A little culty, no? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, you, you make statues of yourselves and your leaders out of gold instead of using that money to help the poor. How good. How righteous. How mo holy. Holy moral moly holy. Holy Supercilious, moly. sanctimonious motherfucking waste of flesh. <laughs> some of those, dude, some of those religious people, like the brothers and the like religion teachers at my high school... They were fucking awful, dude. They, you know, that's the thing is, you know, they get, it's, they, it, there's this complex among, you know, delusionally religious people. They think that they are, everything they do is on the side of God. They think that their morals have been so perfected by following the word of God that they're incapable of doing wrong, as if God acts through them, right? Mm hmm So, uh, yeah, man, it's just, it's all delusion. You'll need to take themselves less seriously and, you know, listen to God, listen to Jesus, and not listen to the church. Yeah. You know, you can't take everything literally, you know. Leviticus says that graven images are an abomination, so I'm going to hell for that. Uh, wearing blended fabrics are an abomination, so I got these gym shorts, blended fabrics, going to hell. Um, being gay is, uh, is an abomination. I haven't been with a guy, but I've done poly stuff, so is that an abomination? Probably. That's adultery, right? So hell. Um... What else is there? Oh, sometimes they eat bread without salt. Hell. Um, see, I don't take my brother's wife when he dies, nor do I take his slaves. So hell. <laughs> so yeah, what is that? Am I going to hell five or six times already just off of Leviticus? And then don't even get me started on the commandments. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, man. So what would you say to somebody who's feeling like particularly disillusioned with their... With their religion or for or for they're looking for something right right so hold on to that feeling it may be painful or frustrating right now but what that feeling represents is your longing to know the truth the failure of the church has shown you that there is indeed something out there and that they were kind of approximated they're kind of getting at it but they you know they missed the message but the message is there and so you have the opportunity to explore the frontier of consciousness. And what you find in there, you know, maybe it's magical, maybe it's religious, maybe it's psychological, maybe it's chemical. But it's something. And it's it's something different. And it's gonna help you start answering the questions that the church left unanswered. Absolutely. All right. Um so before we go, I actually I want to circle back to your book and I wanted to ask you about the writing process because you wrote this book in just a just a few weeks and it was like a flurry of activity. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that was oh like? Oh my god, dude. Well, <laughs> So there are two things happening at the same time. One, I was becoming a prophet and two, Raw Horquip was trying to get inside me. And yes, I'm not going to explain the P word. So it was inspired writing. The information was just coming to me and coming out of me. I didn't have to think about anything. I didn't have to plan anything. I wrote the chapter title, and then I wrote the content. Um, and while I was writing, I made all of these connections between 
previously disparate pieces of information. And, you know, by going through and writing this book, Rockweed showed me all the breadcrumbs that I'd picked up along the way and had to unite them, and had to make sense of them. So, you know, I feel like the uh, writing of the book, that was the final act of my personal transmutation. That is what allowed me to become Rahorquit, for him to become me, for us to form the Nephilim. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a period of intense transformation. Sometimes, there were some days that I felt kind of manic, there were some days I didn't sleep well, there were some days that I got frustrated or hypersensitive or ran my mouth, like, I was going a mile a minute, and it was, it was an adjustment process. It was heavy. Like, it wasn't anything I couldn't, I couldn't deal with, but it was something I had to deal with, you know? And it's not something that they prepare you for in school, because no, <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, how to take a god into your body 101. Unless, do they have that one at Brown? <laughs> uh, I think you can do an independent study. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dude, it was really intense. But you know what it was? It was me sloughing off my final doubts about magic. Because when I went through all of the science, all of the proof, I proved it all to myself. It was all there. In fact, there was nothing left for me to doubt. I could no longer doubt myself. And that is when I realized my true will. Hell yeah. So yeah, man, the whole, the writing process itself was just insane. And then when fucking Home Depot then got involved, oh my God, dude. Oh my gosh. Oh my yeah. God. It's, it's, it was funny because I was talking to you through that period and you kept telling me the <laughs> stories that then pop up in the book. <laughs> Well, that's the other thing. Like, uh, like the entire last like hundred pages of the book happened while I was writing it. All the Rahor Queen shit that was like, I was in the middle. I hadn't even, when I started writing the Klonic chapter, I hadn't even finished the Klonic deal. Um, yeah. So like, everything and like you know, I got the Rahor Queen dictated the Wajet formula to me, and then the next week we fucking did it. Holy shit, dude. Yeah, yeah dude. And then. He egged us along all the way up to, uh, you know, proclaiming Abrahadabra and finally uh, throwing the first stone. Because Set didn't start this war. We started it. Set didn't think there was a war, but there is. That's the problem. The war starts <laughs> when you're born. <laughs> it does. You can sleep when you're dead, and Babylon shall not allow you to die until you've completed your role. You understand? Oh, I get it. If you do not live and die with love in your heart, then why were you here in the facts? Anything else? Anything else you want to say before we go? Anything to convince <laughs> convince people to buy your book? So what I'll say about this book is that it's very hard to figure out where to studying where to start studying occultism. Like I started with like Buddhism, then got to chaos magic, this that Kabbalah. I have to put all the pieces together, right? I lay out everything for you directly. I tell you exactly which studies to do. I, I lay it out, tell you which things, what, how the technology works. I go through the fucking, go through the psychology, the neurophysiology, the magical stuff. I explain the astrality, the solarity. I explain the, I explain the gods and the demons, the spellcasting. I tell you how to perform rituals. I tell you how to use the wand. I tell you how to design spells. I tell you how to improve my spells. I tell you how to reverse engineer spells to make them your own. I teach you to heretically appropriate cafeteria style anything you want from any religion without any respect for them. <laughs> because you are a fucking heretic. This is the stolen fruit of the heretic that shall defy even fate. This is change. 
There it is. The book is excellent. Heretic and Psychonaut by Nephilim <laughs> out now. Um, we will. You can find where to pick it up on our website at aonsquad.com. Coming on to talk today. The next episode, we'll be back to our usual co-hosting. Yeah, thanks so much. This is great. Um, so what do we have next? We got we got the Clonic thing coming up. We got Babylon coming up. That's exciting stuff. Yep, yeah, we got some we got some uh, humans coming on as well. I think. Ooh, Mez, humans! Mez oh. is coming on soon. So, got a lot of good stuff coming up. We'll also, I do tolerate some... the odd human. You know. Oh yeah, there's some good humans out there. <laughs> I, I wonder how many non-corporeal entities are listening to our podcast. Venus said all of them. That's what she said. That, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, how many... What else would they be listening to? No one else gives a fuck. This when I remember the, we... It's kind of like the main show, right? <laughs> well, remember when we when we summoned the Thalamic Gods? And, like, I think Rahul Creed said to Horpar Krat, he was like, why were we sleeping for so long? Like, no one believed in us, right? That's what it was. People just stopped believing. And then when you start believing again, they come back. They get their power back. Oh, hell and, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, so now we're playing with power. <laughs> Dude, it's fucking on. The Aeon is gonna ride. Everyone is invited. All you have to do is pledge fealty to the goddess of love. That's all you can do, right? <laughs> Babs is great. You're gonna love her. <laughs> you are. She. You, you can't. Do. You can't not. Yeah, you just don't even know. Oh, when you meet her, you'll be like, oh, that's Babel. Oh, Babel. Babel. <laughs> <laughs> Justice.